The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Okay. And welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. I'm your host, JP John Paz. With me today is a very special guest. He is a podcaster, a YouTuber, a TV personality, a radio personality, a film critic, a journalist, a reporter, a reporter, a four-time Emmy Award winner, Mr. Chris Van Fleet. CVV, welcome to Two-Man Power Trip. John, thank you so much for having me on. JP! Yes. That's, a, that's quite the intro. Can, can you just follow me around everywhere I go and just list off those things for people? I always wanted to be like the person's personal, like, um, not hype man, but like that kind of role. Where you're like his personal announcer. We're like, here he is, CVV, you know, something yeah. like that. All right, yeah. You're hired. You're hired. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Maybe I can uh, hang out with John Cena like you do all the time, you know. Yeah, so, well, yeah, I, I yeah. wish it was all the time, but it is certainly not. But I, I am uh, lining up an interview with him as Fast and Furious 9 F9 is coming out in the next few weeks here. So, Excited to chat with him, and I just have a feeling we're going to be seeing him back in the ring probably in the next month. I have that same feeling. You yeah. got to build up. If you're going to have this big SummerSlam uh, spectacular in Las Vegas at the Allegiant, I believe it's pronounced, uh, stadium for the, where the Raiders play out there yeah. in Vegas, you got to have a big name. Cena, gotta be, he's got to be up there. I would think so. And he's, you know, he's not done with wrestling. I think he has a lot of outside interests right now, but he's not done with wrestling. Same with The Rock. I'm not saying Rock's going to be at SummerSlam, but I'm saying Rock's not done with wrestling yet, I don't think. Another one of your boys, The Rock. I, I, I wish <laughs> I could, I wish they were actually my boys. Hey, you're the one getting their the interviews with them all the time, though. Pretty, uh, pretty damn cool. I have, yeah. I mean, I've been so fortunate and I'm super grateful to be able to say I've shared a few conversations with both of them, but yeah, that comes with the territory. You know, I've been fortunate to work as an entertainment reporter for most of my career. And yeah, when they want to promote a film, they do the rounds. And I've been fortunate to be on those lists. Very, very cool for you. What are you up to, though, besides that? Are you just sticking with like the podcast right now, but you're also doing the entertainment reporting? Or, or you know, it's just whatever comes, you'll go do the reporting, but you'll do the podcast, too. I've got my hand in quite a lot of different things right now. Seems like I'm it, also yeah. an entrepreneur. I also own a fishing company called Woo Tungsten. Sorry, I mispronounced it. It's Woo Tungsten as the correct way to say it. Yes. So between that, I also host a few different TV shows, got the podcast, got the YouTube channel. 
So I've got my hand in a bunch of different things. I, I think for me, John, it's just what what excites me every single day. Now that's always been my goal is what can you be excited about at the start of your day? And then at the end of your day, what will like make you proud of what you've accomplished? So for me, it's just, I want to do what interests me and I'm going to continue to do that, hopefully for the rest of my career. You definitely are keeping busy. The, the fishing company, I mean, that's another interest, which is, I don't know, it's so funny. It's like wrestling, but you know, TV, radio, but fishing too. Oh, I know. And like, and I get that fishing is so completely juxtaposed to like the entertainment world. Like yeah. there has been times where, I remember, I, so I fish in a lot of bass fishing terms. Let me back this up here a little bit. I've been fishing my whole life. Caught my first fish when I was four years old. Was hooked, eh, pun intended. And when I become passionate about something, I dive all the way in. I don't check the depth of the water. I don't check the temperature of the water. I just dive in, figure it out as I go. And I've been super passionate about fishing since I was a kid. Like I went to high school and we backed, our high school backed on to a creek and I would bring a fishing rod to school, kept it in my locker, and then at lunchtime would go down to the creek in the fall and catch salmon. Like that's how Whoa. obsessed I've been with fishing. So I fished in tournaments for most of my life, bass fishing tournaments. And I remember specifically, there was a time like a handful of years ago where I flew to London, interviewed Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie on the red carpet for the movie World War Z, got back to, I was living in Cleveland at the time, got back to Cleveland and then fished in a bass fishing tournament on Lake Erie the next day. Like, and I understand like how completely juxtaposed it is to yeah. be on a red carpet with some of the biggest stars in the world. And then the next day be out in the middle of Lake Erie catching smallmouth bass. Yeah. That, that's kind of a weird, definitely two different worlds. I mean, you couldn't get, yeah, but they, they like balance each other out. I guess you're right. It's very relaxing, right? Just hanging out out there fishing. In a way, like tournament fishing is like the furthest thing from relaxing. You've got like a set amount of time to catch, you know, a certain amount of fish. And then you're, you know, your brain is working overtime, figuring out like, should I stay in this spot? Should I go to this other spot? I caught them here the other day. Will they be there today? Oh yeah, it's a lot. I used to not really go fishing much. I used to go crabbing a lot because uh, okay. we're kind of by the well, Jersey Shore. I'd love to do yeah. that. Very, very cool. Plus, uh, my friend's grandmother used to be like a really good cook. So we'd collect all the crabs. You know, we get our Hasbros together, you know, play, play a little bit, get the crabs. Then we bring them into her. She'd cook them. And then we'd watch some uh, wrestling, beat up uh, my friend's grandfather, uh, you, know, get, you know, get a little crazy and then eat some crabs for dinner. Oh, it's great, great yeah, stuff. Yeah, oh, great stuff. <laughs> And my friend's grandfather did not like when intermission hit. If you remember back in the day, sometimes they had the intermission. That's when, you know, that's when we would really go after him. <laughs> that's so fun. Everybody is, who's a wrestling fan has a story like that. Like, yep. and that's the great thing about pro wrestling is it's touched our lives so deeply that we all have a story, whether you're four years old or 14 years old, we all have a story of like where you're really tied into that wrestling world. I love it. It's so funny because like, when I was younger, my cousins like, of course, everyone likes wrestling. They had the big Hogan stand up, you know, that just standing there they had the posters and everything. It's like we had the posters. Uh, my dad used to sell insurance to Pedro Morales, and, and, who lived down the, <laughs> not that far down the street, but in in New Jersey. So it's like a little connection to wrestling there. And you know, it was like um, a friend of ours was like meeting Roddy Piper, and then he got us a picture. So always something with wrestling. I don't know everything. My wife thinks I'm nuts, but everything is like a little bit wrestling. Here and there, you can kind of tie it into anything. Yeah, no, 
look, that's what we, wrestling is life, right? And I feel like you can tie it, you're right. There's, there's heels and faces in literally every aspect of life. Yeah, for sure. With you though, and your wrestling fandom, when, like, I know fishing is kind of a love of yours too, but when did you become like a, a big fan? Like when did it hit for you? When did you love, start loving the business and who did you fall in love with? It was the Attitude Era for me, which I think for a lot of people that were born in the 80s, like me, that was it. So I was familiar with wrestling before that, but I was on the high school wrestling team and I had a friend of mine who loved pro wrestling. And back in the 90s, you did this crazy thing when you had a friend called talking on the phone. And yes. I would we were talking on the phone all the time, but I knew on Monday nights at nine o'clock, our conversation would abruptly come to an end because he was such a big wrestling fan and he needed to watch Raw. And I remember one Monday we were in the middle of a conversation and I was like, all right, yeah, I'll stay on the phone with you. Like we got to finish this conversation. I'll put on Raw and you know, we'll be able to talk about what's happening, but also like continue our conversation. And John, I just got like sucked into it. And it was crazy. It was Austin McMahon was the big storyline at the time. And that sucked me into it. I remember that very first conversation, well, that very first Raw I watched and having that conversation with my friend. And he was explaining, oh, we, you know who The Rock is, but you got to see him do this thing called the people's elbow. And I'm like, okay, yeah. So like Rock drops like, you know, some elbow on the outside. I'm like, is that it? Is that the people's elbow? He's like, oh, no, no, no. You'll know. You'll know when it's the people's elbow. And I just got like drawn into the larger than life characters and the pageantry of it all. And, you know, just like my fishing story, when I become passionate about something, I dive all the way in. And that's what happened with wrestling. And the funny thing is, like I said, I was on the high school wrestling team. And when you're on the high school amateur wrestling team, you're basically told like that stuff on TV, that stuff's fake. What we do in here, this is real. Right. And, you know, it was like two different worlds kind of like competing against each other. And I found a way to like love both of them. And I very quickly like joined a backyard wrestling federation with my friends. Uh, another friend of mine had a trampoline in the backyard. So every time we were on the trampoline, we were doing choke slams and rock bottoms and DDTs, all the simple moves that you could do on a trampoline. But yeah, I was all the way in and decided at that point in time, I wanted to be a pro wrestler. And I figured when I was done with high school and I had the money and I had a car, I was going to go train to be a pro wrestler. And I did. When I was 20 years old, I trained in Toronto for a few months, trained to be a pro wrestler, but I was in college at the time. So I kind of had to decide, like I was doing that in the summer. So then when school came back in the fall, when college came back in the fall, I had to decide, all right, where do my allegiances lie here? What's most important to me? Is it wrestling school or is it school school? And I decided like I would finish college. I would get my broadcasting degree, uh, degree my communications degree. And wrestling would always kind of be there. So, and I've been really fortunate to be able to do what I do in broadcasting. And then every once in a while, you know, dip my toe into the wrestling world. And, you know, while, while the other foot is firmly planted in the broadcasting world. Where did you actually train though? What was the school? Who was the trainer? I was at Squared Circle in Toronto. Rob Fuego was the trainer. And I was there at the same time as they weren't training. I think they just finished training, but I was there at the same time as Angelina Love, uh, oh. Tracy Brooks, uh, Ashley Six was one of my trainers, Chris Chambers was one of my trainers. So some huge, huge talent came out of there. And like the Canadian wrestling scene is super strong to begin with. There's so many great, incredible Canadian wrestlers. 
But to be able to be in the ring at the same time as some of those people, and granted, I didn't fully train. I trained for a handful of months. I could still bump. I could still run the ropes. I can do a decent scoop slam. It's, it's probably like, as everyone knows, I can take a take a chopper twenty. Yes, uh, maybe too. Other than that, I I could. I don't think I'm trained well enough to work a match. Definitely not. Of course, the flat back wrestling school Spears and uh, Tyler Breeze maybe give you too many chops. I don't know. Like, look, that was a fun video, and I will admit that that was all my idea. It might not have come across that way in the video, but I went there. You know, I, I said to Sean Spears, I said, "I'll take some, you know, I'll, I'll take some uh, bumps. I'll run the ropes. We'll lock it up a little bit." And then he goes, "Yeah, well, what if I, what if I give you a chop?" And I'm like. I mean, okay, sure. I'll take a chop. Like, it's no big deal. I said, why don't we like make it a little bit more interesting? Why don't you line up your students and have them chop me? He's like, ooh, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, what's the worst that could happen? Little did I know that everybody got two chops. So I was prepared for like eight-ish. He had eight students there. I was prepared for eight chops. And then it was eight plus breeze, plus spears, times two <laughs> for everybody. I'm like, oh, that's a lot. <laughs> Damn, taking advantage of you a little bit. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> but what a great video. It was so much fun. Yeah. Oh, man. Your chest afterwards. I mean, it's it's scarred up. feel like it still might be. No, I'm just joking. Oh, yeah. We're uh, but it was it was bruised and welted for a, for like a solid six, seven days. Oh, those blood vessels will pop, right? Oh, yeah. I was very fortunate. Like when it was done, Sean Spears was like, oh, you didn't you didn't bleed. Good for you. And I was like. Okay, good for me. I feel like my chest is numb, but yeah, good for me. <laughs> yeah, right. When you went like to training, if you just rewind back and you went to the Squirt Circle School, like how come you didn't continue on and become wrestler? Were you thinking like, yeah, I had other interests, I want to do other things, or was it just like, okay, this was fun, I accomplished something, I wanted to train for a little bit, but I don't want to be a wrestler? Like, how did that work out? Well, I mean, I don't feel like I accomplished anything to be honest. Like, I mm. went there, I started training. And this was in the summer between my between my sophomore and junior year of college. And I was basically going, it was like half-ish an hour away from my hometown. And I was working a summer job at Enterprise Rent-A-Car. That was my summer job that year. So working long hours at Enterprise Rent-A-Car, then going to wrestling school twice during the week and then Monday or Saturday, Sunday as well. So four days a week. When it came time to go back to school, wrestling school was now a little over an hour away from where I went to college. So I just had a lot of factors working against me. It was going to be four days a week, plus an hour to an hour and a half each way, plus $250 a month, which when you're in college is a ton of money. Also, you know, it's a lot of beer, you know, when you're in yes. college. It's <laughs> a lot of natty ice. Yeah. Right. So, uh, so it was just a lot of factors that were kind of stacked up against it. And I, I was basically... I was at this crossroads where it was like, you can't do both. You got to choose one or the other because I'm such a firm believer in that phrase that if you, if you chase two rabbits, you catch none. And I think that you can't be the best at something when you're trying to make yourself go in two different directions. So it really just came down to me going, am I committed to this right now? Or am I committed to finishing my communication studies degree getting some experience in the broadcasting world and going from there. And I knew wrestling school would always be there. Like I could go to wrestling school two years later, you know, or 12 years later, 22 years later, you know, whatever. I, I guess I could still go to wrestling school if I wanted to. So it was just kind of like I started this thing and 
then realized that I didn't have the capability at that point in time to finish with what I was doing. That's really all it was. It's a pretty good uh, life lesson there, though, as far as not chasing two things at once. You'll never be good at one thing. Yeah, that, that is not my phrase. That's just a phrase <laughs> that you know I I really like. But and look, I I just I realize now that I, I'm glad that it didn't work out. Like everything happens for a reason. You know, the the Rock told me in one of the interviews that you referenced that sometimes the best things in life are the things that don't happen. And you know, I, I just turned 38 years old. Um. Very happy to say that I I can get up in the morning and my knees don't hurt, my back doesn't hurt, my neck doesn't hurt. A lot of my friends who are 38-year-old pro wrestlers cannot say the same thing. Right. Uh, all those bumps and bruises and miles traveled and the road and everything else could be you know, self-medicating or not. I mean, you're, you're going to feel the pain for sure. Yeah. And it's, you know, I've had a great career thus far. And I feel like I'm really in very many ways still just getting started. When you do get like, let's say the rock on for an interview, is your goal like ever like, okay, I want to ask him certain wrestling questions. Cause I know like, obviously you have to interview him about the movie, but is your goal always like, I got to ask him this. Like, I, like when you're feuding with Austin in 98 or, you know, some like sort of wrestling, I guess, marquee questions, I guess people would say, but is your goal like, I got to squeeze in some wrestling stuff or, or is that just, if it comes up, it comes up. No, I mean, those interviews are so quick. You've got four or five minutes with them. If that, yep. so I'm like, yes, I want to squeeze in at least one wrestling question. And then we'll figure out the rest from there. But, you know, very different from these style of interviews where you've got, you know, 45 minutes or an hour to just kind of have a conversation with someone like, you know, John, this is no different than if me or you were to grab a beer tonight. We just kind of hang out and the conversation would flow. When you're in those situations, they call them junkets, where the celebrity sits in the hotel room and every four to five minutes, a new journalist cycles in the door. So they come in four or five minutes later, another one comes in and, you know, the cycle continues and they do 40 interviews a day or something like that. So in those situations, you plan out your questions almost to the word to figure out like, okay, I'm going to ask this one, then hopefully that'll flow into this question. And then if that goes well, we can flow into this next one. Of course, you know, if the conversation veers off somewhere else, we'll follow the conversation that way. But yeah, I will always try to squeeze in at least one wrestling question. And if you look back at my interviews, like one of my very so the very first interview I did with The Rock, I was backstage at Raw. It was as he was preparing for his match with Cena. So I was able to ask him all about wrestling. It was amazing. Right. I got The Rock in the setting that you and I fell in love with him at. Yeah. The next interview was Fast and Furious Six, where I was like, "All right, I got I got to squeeze in a wrestling question or two. And I'll never forget it was a satellite interview, and I asked him like about. Roman Reigns. And I asked him like, which up and coming stars did he have his eye on? And he was giving me these great answers. And then the producer comes in my ear and goes, they want you to talk about the movie. And I went, Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, back to fast and furious. <laughs> that's great that you get lost in it. Like, Oh crap. That's right. Oh, damn the movie. That's right. Yeah. I, I mean, that was like a six minute interview. And I think like four and a half minutes of it was just me. Like I asked him what his favorite promo was. I asked him about Roman Reigns. I asked him the up and coming star that he had, you know, was like keeping an eye on. And actually his answer that time was Fondango, which I thought was so interesting. And I also asked him if we could have a battle royal of all of his previous characters together, who would win? 
None of these had anything to do with the Fast and Furious. <laughs> no, not at all. But it, it's still for for me, or you know, like a fan, like yeah, screw Fast and Furious. Let's talk about wrestling a little bit here. Right. Yeah, on, I Rock. mean, yeah. I think that you know, The Rock obviously respects where he's come from and you know has a great love for his background in wrestling. But I also understand that that was you know that was another lifetime for him. Basically, he, it's been a while since he was a full time wrestler. What was his favorite promo, by the way? His favorite, and this this blew me away. His favorite promo was the the promo where he basically turned heel in the nation. You know, the crowd is chanting Rocky sucks. And he said his favorite promo was the rock is a lot of things, but sucks ain't one of them. Nice. Love that. And one. then he also yeah. said like the, the smell with the rock is cooking was one of his favorites too. Nice. Look at that. You never know. Sometimes I know it's like, sometimes you're like, Oh, I wonder what answer I think I'm going to get this. And then you go like, wow, it's not what I was expecting. Right. I mean, that's completely right. different. Yeah, and it's funny because I posted that clip on my YouTube channel and everyone's commenting what their favorite rock promo is. And a lot of people like the promo with Billy Gunn, you know, but not, my name's Billy and I just won King of the Ring. You know that one? Yes. And God oh. himself spoke to you and said this, <laughs> Bob, but my name's Billy. It doesn't matter what your name is. Great, Great promo. promo. Always love that one. I always love the one with Jericho too for Jericho's debut, just because oh, yeah. he he's like so relaxed. You're like, oh, the Rock is kind of taking this in, and then yeah. you know, then to take the KY jelly and shove it straight up your ass. And Jericho's face is like, you know, he's quivering. Oh, great! That the the way that promo started with Jericho is so great. He's like, who in the blue hell are you? <laughs> so good. I love kind of like how they put it together when you hear like the backstage stuff where Jericho's telling the story or what's going on. It's just funny. The Rock is very like, okay, yeah, you're going to say this. Okay, well, I'm saying this. Like, it, very, like very easy. Like, you wouldn't think yeah. this huge, mon you know, monumental, big thing that's going on. It's like very simple. Like, I'm saying this. How long? Okay, okay, I'm going to say this back. And then they just play off of each other. It's just perfect. Well, I don't like, think that happens in WWE anymore. No. I think that that I know that very much happens in AEW, but in WWE, they basically go, all right, here's your script. And you can't create a, to me personally, you can't create a moment like rock and Jericho and playing off the crowd when you're like, Oh wait, what, what was line for? Oh, you're like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you, so, so robotic. Yeah, definitely. But you know, I've, I've seen how it works in AEW and it's basically like, all right, well, uh, MJF's going to have a promo as he's walking down to the ring that's going to be 90 seconds. And it's like, whatever you come up with, go. And that's great because look at MJF. He's being able to become a star and really create his own character. Right. I mean, a lot of people in AEW have been able to do that, basically just being themselves and being the you know the characters that they want to be. can't think of like a last good WWE promo that i was like that was a great promo mjf always cuts a good one jericho always cuts a good one i mean there's a bunch in aew that kind of stand out that's a great point what was the last really good wwe promo i mean some of these roman reigns heel promos have been pretty great yeah actually yes true i yeah. do like like the character yeah and even before that i would probably maybe go back to when aj styles was like feuding with cena and they were kind of going back and forth because they probably have a little bit of leeway in what they're saying but besides yeah reigns good point besides reigns i don't know yeah i mean paul Heyman. anytime paul Heyman gets a mic but then i think we go back to the cm punk days before that yeah yep yeah, it's, it's a weird world but just uh speaking of aew just why we were kind of mentioning it you did 
basically worked for AEW. Was that supposed to be a longer thing? Was there going to be a contract or, or is that just short and sweet? I'm only going to work there a certain amount of dates and then gone. Well, I was asked to be part of the first episode, which right. you know, as a wrestling fan and as a broadcaster, it was a mixture of both worlds to come together and, you know, be this really incredible opportunity. So that was it. That was all it was supposed to be. And then I was really fortunate to be brought back a few weeks later when we did the episode in Charleston, West Virginia. And I did a segment with the Rock and Roll Express. But man, to be a tiny little sliver of a portion of the very first episode of wrestling on TNT in almost 20 years, I mean, that was a really, really cool opportunity and something I'll forever be grateful for. Did you want to like stay on and do more with them? Or was it like, man, I am so busy. I don't even know if I could. I just didn't have any expectations for it. Like all I was told was, can you be in Washington, D.C. on October 2nd for our first episode? And this was before Washington, D.C. was announced as the location for the first episode of Dynamite. So they were basically saying like, will you be there? And also, do we can trust you with you not right. like, you know, putting this Leaking information it. out there because I wasn't hired by them. And I said, yeah, I'll, I'll be there. Yeah. And I, and I was, I, I worked it out and that was all I was expecting it to be. I mean, if it ends up being more one day, sure, that's great. But you know, now we're in a really strange time with COVID and uh, you know, yeah. certainly for the last year, not everybody that AEW's had on the roster has even been able to be there. So yeah, it was a really cool thing. And uh, I'm really glad to be able to say that I was part of that. With AEW, you still keeping up every week? You still watching every show? Still a fan? I'm still a fan of wrestling in general. Like I'll watch everything. You know, it's w, whether it's WWE, AEW, New Japan, NWA, Impact. I'm just a fan, and I think it's such a strange time that we live in right now, where people are like trying to pit one against the other. It's, this is not how this works. Like we're all part of the same group here. Like. This is like, we're all ice cream lovers here. We don't need to, within that, go, come on, man. How do you like Rocky Road? Clearly, mint chocolate chip's the best. No, let's just like wrestling. It is uh, a strange time, for sure. There's like the definite divide. Like, I'm a WWE fan. I'm an AEW fan. You can't watch both, apparently. According to some people on Twitter, you can't watch both. I don't understand that. And that's why I'm saying like, we're all wrestling fans here. I, I watched it all. When I got into wrestling, I was watching Raw and Nitro and ECW. And then I was, of course, watching like Thunder and Jacked and Metal and Heat. Let's just watch it all. like, And let's appreciate it for what it is, which is a very entertaining live television program that we get every single week. With the the current wrestling the way it is, I know there's a lot of different ways to watch it now and 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 everything. Do you think that it's not as popular? Because it's funny, people are saying it's more popular than ever, but the the numbers say differently. But then there's streaming and there's a million different ways to watch. What do you think about the popularity right now of wrestling? Well, it's not fair to compare apples to apples, like ratings in 2021 to ratings in 2001 or 1999, for a variety of different reasons, which should all be obvious, but I'll state a few of them here. <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> number one, we didn't have DVRs back in the day. So there's one. We didn't have uh, YouTube back in the day, didn't have social media back in the day. So if you weren't watching Raw from 9 p.m. to 11, whatever, 07, when it ended, you missed it. And unless your friend taped it on VHS and you borrowed that tape from him, you missed it. So it was very much appointment viewing back then. Now, if you miss Raw, but you're on your Twitter feed, 
about 30 seconds after that really cool thing happens, people are either going to be A, talking about it or B, posting about it. So it's not fair to compare the ratings apples to apples to say that you know less people are watching now because the ratings are down. Less people are watching everything on TV all across the board, um, whether it's American Idol or The Bachelor or Survivor or anything other than live sports. Like that's the only thing that seems to still be like uh, doing well through all of this. So I don't know if less people are watching. I just think people are watching in different ways. The fact that WWE's YouTube channel is, I, I believe it's the number five YouTube channel in the world, I think speaks volumes to the fact that there is still very much an audience there. Maybe they're just not watching the way that they used to. 75 million subscribers, I think, on their YouTube channel, something is like it, that. It, is it, or maybe more. It could be more, but I know it's a, it's an insane amount. I know that it's a ridiculous. Yeah. I'm going to look this up while we're while we're talking here because it's a ridiculous amount. Let's let's see. You've got a pretty good amount on yours too, actually. Not compared to them, <laughs> 78 million. Oh, wow. so far off, yeah. 78 million subscribers. They're bigger than Mr. Beast, and Mr. Beast is you know this incredible YouTuber. It is it is crazy, like the the amount of stuff. The content you know you could put on there too a lot of old school stuff new school stuff i mean it's just great and then obviously the billion dollar deal with peacock i mean no. they're uh, they're rocking and rolling what do you think about them just in general as a business do you think they might be selling i mean we're talking about their great numbers as far as online and social media and stuff and they're look at their quarter they just had another huge quarter it was like three good quarters in a row do you think they're selling that rumor is pretty prevalent out there yeah and it's funny because that the first time I heard this rumor was Ryback said it to me in one of our interviews like a year and a half ago. And I kind of laughed. I'm like, no, why would WWE sell? And he's like, I think WWE is going to sell to a major network like a Fox or an NBC or someone like Disney. And I went, come on, man. And I think that comes from us as wrestling fans going, we get wrestling. As wrestling fans, we understand it the rest of the world that's not a wrestling fan doesn't really understand this or get it. And I think that there's a fear there that if this got bought by a network, they wouldn't know what to do with it. So I don't know. I mean, all, these rumors I don't think are coming out of nowhere. Like a lot of signs seem to be pointing to them trying to make themselves as profitable as possible, trying to make the profit margins as high as possible. And I'm not like a and I'm like a business expert here, but a lot of things certainly seem to line up to make that conspiracy theory or rumor or whatever you want to call it mm. sound like it has some legitimacy. But I don't know. I just, I can't see Vince McMahon taking this thing that he's spent the last, what has it been, almost 40 years building and selling it. I just can't, I don't know. I can't I see that, but, but what do I, you know, what do I know? I would be shocked, but it, everyone keeps saying, "Oh, all signs are pointing to it." You know, they they released Braun, they released Black, and they were they were pretty prevalent on TV. And you know, it's just you keep hearing these rumors. You're like, really? They are really you know firing a lot of people, and making themselves worth even more money if they were to sell. But to me, it is hard to believe. Like Vince McMahon, his whole life he's obsessed with wrestling. That's all he does. Supposedly, just supposedly, he doesn't watch anything else. He only watches the WWE. He only cares about wrestling. He's like, I can't picture him like riding off into the sunset like all right i, I got seven billion dollars i'm gonna ride off into the sunset that just doesn't seem like him well look i will say this vince mcmahon is a brilliant man and a brilliant businessman 
So whatever it is that he ends up deciding to do with this, it will be the right call for his business that he's built. And we may not understand it one way or another, whether he sells or, or not, we won't understand it, but I can guarantee you it'll be the right decision for him and for the company. If he does sell it, it's got to be at least $4 billion. I mean, I'm just guessing, but because I saw UFC sold for $4 billion, but UFC doesn't have all those great television contracts. So I would guess, who knows if I'm even accurate on that, but I would guess at least $4 billion. I mean, it's a nice chunk of change he's going to get for the, the company if he sells. Yeah. And again, I don't know. Like, is this, is this a rumor? Is this a conspiracy theory? I don't know. But Vince McMahon is a brilliant, brilliant businessman. The whole reason we're talking right now is because of what Vince McMahon has created. So look, I'll just leave it in his hands and whatever he thinks is the right decision. I think we're going to have to go. Yeah, no, he knows what he's doing. Sticking on wrestling insight, the podcast, your show, obviously you do a lot, a ton, mainly wrestling interviews. Yeah, I know you do some other stuff too. You've been very big celebrities and all this other stuff, but is, is wrestling interviews that like the, the favorite thing of yours? Like, Oh, I can't wait to do another wrestling interview. I just love talking to people. Like it, it, for me, it's just, I love having great conversations and I renamed the show insight because, you know, it was yep. originally called the Chris Van Vliet show. When I started taking the audio from my YouTube interviews and putting them on the podcast, I call it the Chris Van Vliet show. Cause I just didn't know what else to call it. And then as it started like gaining some momentum, I went, well, this isn't a very accurate name for what we're doing here. Like this show is not about me at all. Why is my name in the title? So I renamed it to Insight because that's what the show is all about. It's about me like stealing some insight from everybody that I talk to, whether they're a wrestler or an entrepreneur, an actor, celebrity, athlete, whatever it is. I just want to be able to like take some tips from their life and apply them to my own. So I just love having conversations with people who are at the very top of their game. And the cool thing about a podcast is you have the ability to pick someone's brain for an hour which you wouldn't be able to do in like any other setting in life. So you can just like right. fire, you know, fire away with all these questions and just basically steal a whole bunch of their knowledge. So wrestling, I, I love talking to wrestlers because I'm a big wrestling fan. And the reason that my YouTube channel was very wrestling focused for a long time, even though I was interviewing actors and celebrities and directors and comedians is because I was able to get this access to these wrestlers that other people weren't getting you know, like other wrestling fans wouldn't get access to talk to early in my career. I had like Bobby Lashley and Jack Swagger, uh, Mr. Kennedy, Ted DiBiase Jr. I was getting like 15, 20 minute interviews with these people that, and they were talking about stuff like that. I always wanted to know about as a fan. So I was like, other people would appreciate this, you know, outside of the viewing area of our TV show. So I just started throwing those on my YouTube channel and Sure enough, other fans from all across the world started checking these out. And it was just the coolest thing to know that we all connected on this crazy obsession that we have called pro wrestling. That's great, though, like to be able to get access to some of the guys. To me, I mean, I do a ton of interviews. I think I've done over 600 wow. just, wrestle, just wrestling wise yeah. of all the guys. But sometimes it's hard to get the access. Like that could be the hardest part. Like, oh, who, like, how do I get in touch with this guy? How do I get, you know, how do you get some of the people? That could be the hard part. Do you find that to be somewhat easy? You know, obviously with your status and your stature, is that a little bit easier for you? Like, can, I can get this guy. Yeah. It, it almost got to a point where, so I was in, in my broadcasting career, I've been in, Toronto, Vancouver, Cleveland, and Miami. And 
it got to a point where like whenever raw was in town i'd be like oh do you think we could think we could do an interview with a wrestler my boss would be like sure of course we can and then you know three or four months later tna would be in town and i'd be like think we could do something with tna they'd be like just did a wrestling interview a few months ago. Maybe we'll hold off on the wrestling for now. So it was almost the reverse where like, Oh we, yeah. You know, we, I was on the local CBS station in Cleveland and I was on the local Fox station in Miami. I was on MTV two in Vancouver, MTV two Canada. So we had the access. It was a matter of like, is that what the viewers wanted to see at the time? So now that things have kind of shifted and I'm doing stuff for my own YouTube channel or my own podcast, yeah, you know, I still run into the same issues where like you 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 have to get someone when they're trying to promote something, right? Like that's the right. whole thing about like doing press is why would, you know, Hulk Hogan come do an interview on my podcast right now? Probably doesn't really have much to talk about that he's promoting. Um so you got to find like are they promoting a movie, a book, an album, whatever it is, and then try to like work yourself into their press cycle. So that's like a game that I've been trying to play my whole career, really. I'm just trying to make those opportunities happen. So you got to wait for that Hulk Hogan movie to come out with Hemsworth. Oh, yeah. Then then get Hulk, yeah. I want Hulk Hogan and Chris Hemsworth at yeah. the same time. You know, it's funny, the picture of Hemsworth when he first started doing it, it's like, oh, he's too skinny. Now the picture is like, okay, Harry, now he looks like, he is huge. Now he's he looks huge. like Hogan, yeah. Yeah, I can't wait to see this. I actually had Chris Hemsworth's stuntman on my show. He's a he's one of the very best in the business. His name is Bobby Holland Hanton. So you know all the Thor movies, uh, actually every Chris Hemsworth role, he's been the guy. So when that movie does come out, I'll have to have him back on the show to talk about how he learned how to wrestle for this movie. Yeah, stuntmen. By the way, I mean some of the toughest guys. Frankie Ferrara, who used to play for the Giants, was a stuntman. His dad was a little stuntman. It's like you know you meet these guys, you're like man, like forget about football. These guys are like scary, like stuntman. Jeez. Yeah, I mean, it's unbelievable what they do just to make it look like realistic in a movie. Right. Kill themselves, kind of, to, to, to make it look real. Yeah. I mean, when Bobby started listing off his injuries, like they were nothing, too. Yeah, I tore my ACL like three times. Yeah, I tore my, tore my, you know, like this muscle off of the bone. I'm like, oh, oh, that's it. Oh, cool. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, you're fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you'll be okay. So just back to the interview. So I'm just so fascinated because you are you know you're getting everybody i mean you're getting all these cool guests and stuff is there like a specific like set i know you're an attitude error guy like you just said you had russo on is that like oh god i want to get all these attitude error guys on like is that something in your mind or you're like oh I'll, I'll kind of wait till you know who kind of who surfaces and who doesn't yeah i don't have like my mind set on like i need to talk to this person or i you know have to have this person on the show I just want to talk to people that are interesting. And obviously with these recent WWE releases, it'd be great to have some of those people on the show just to, I don't even care about like, why were you released or what are you going to do next? I just want to hear their story because so many of them haven't been able to like actually tell their story. And the whole point of my show is for people to realize, oh, they're normal people just like me that had a dream and they chased after it and didn't stop until it was accomplished. So I want to hear from people like Mojo, or, you know, Buddy Murphy, or Peyton Royce, you know, Cassie Lee. I'd love to have those people on the show just like, tell me your story. I, I had Cassie Lee on, but like, I want to I hear from her now. Like, tell me your story. Like, give it to me. So, no, I don't specifically say I need to have this person on at this certain time. But, you know, if and when Vince McMahon is ready to do a long-form interview, I'd like to be that guy. 
Yes. And he's coming out with that. Uh, well, it's not him, but they're doing that, that biopic on him. So that'll be uh, interesting. I don't know if he'll be doing much media, but maybe he's got to promote it, right? If he wants to. I do don't, does he? I mean, does Vince McMahon really need to do any promotion? Nah, he doesn't need to do anything. <laughs> yeah. So I don't think that, I mean, that's the, I'd love to have a conversation with him. You know, there's a bunch of people that I'd love to have like a sit down for an hour with. And Vince McMahon's at the top of that list. Not Vince McMahon, the wrestling promoter, but just Vince McMahon, the man. Like Vince McMahon, the entrepreneur. What makes him tick? What time does he go to bed at night? What does he eat in the morning? What does his workout routine look like? Like all of these really small things in his life that have made him the man that he is. I'm fascinated to find out about that stuff. You always hear the boys say that Vince doesn't sleep. Uh, he's an insomniac and he takes cat naps. And like, it's just interesting to find out, you know, the truth from him to see what, what, what is fact and what is fiction. But that's just so fascinating to me. It's like, wait, the guy doesn't sleep. What do you mean he doesn't sleep? Like, that's the story. <laughs> the guy doesn't go to sleep. He naps. So it's like, wow. Yeah, I don't know. Like when I had Freddie Prince Jr. on the show, he was basically saying when oh, you yeah, get on the plane with Vince, he wants to have, he wants to have drinks with you. And Freddie's like, come on, I'm, I'm tired. Let me go to sleep. And the whole idea is like, no, this is like, anytime you're awake is like time to conduct business. So I maybe for him, it's the more time he stays awake, the more business he can conduct. That Freddie Prince Jr. interview is great because you kind of learn a lot about the back scene uh, of, of the writing staff, not only just certain things, but very fascinating to learn their lives and like what he's doing behind the scenes. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing not just from that interview, but just in general, I think the biggest misconception about pro wrestling is that you know, this is a television program. This is a television program where to the minute they have planned out the TV program. And I think that as fans, we don't understand that there is a very thick script that they are following. Everybody is following at the start and end of all of these shows. And I think that Sometimes we're watching it as fans going, well, why would they do that? Well, I don't know why they did it, but the answer is, well, it was because they scripted it that way. That's the answer. You know, you don't watch a, any other show on television and go, well, why did they do that thing? Well, it's just, that's the way it was written. That's what the writers and producers decided on. Everything on TV is scripted. Even reality TV, you always see writer. <laughs> writers, everything is scripted. On, except maybe live sports, obviously, but everything TV related is scripted. Yeah, and I think that a lot of fans don't realize that like even the match might not be scripted, but they might say like, okay, well, this is going to happen. Like this person's going to run out and your reaction is going to be like this. And then this, the camera's going to be on you here. Like there's a lot more of that that happens that I think people really understand. So you've interviewed pretty much everybody. Who's some of your favorites that you've interviewed? I mean, The Rock's definitely at the top of the list. And, you know, that's someone who I idolized growing up, you know, being a fan in the Attitude Era. I was a huge rock fan. I dressed up I dressed up as the rock for Halloween one year in college. I would walk down the halls of my high school asking people questions just so I could shout, it doesn't <laughs> matter what you think. Like that's how big of a fan I was. So when I got into being a television host and then when I got into being an entertainment reporter a few years later, the rock was at the top of my list of like, this is someone I absolutely want to interview. And I think my first interview with the rock was seven years into my TV career. So now I've been able to interview him, you know, a handful of times. So The Rock, number one, for sure. He's everything you want him to be. And they say you shouldn't meet your heroes, but if your hero happens to be The Rock, you should totally meet your hero because he's awesome. Um, I, I shared some time with Oprah many years ago. And oh, didn't realize that. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Very long time ago. It was at the Toronto International Film Festival when she was promoting Precious. And, you know, she's the best. 
She is the absolute best at what she does. And to be able to share some time with her was, you know, pretty incredible and something that I'll never forget. And then just other, like, I'm not trying to like name drop here, but like Steven Spielberg, I've interviewed him twice now and he's the nicest guy. I sat down for an interview with him for Ready Player One and he goes, hey, you've got great socks on. And then he pulls up his pant leg and he had fun socks on. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm bonding over socks with Steven Spielberg. <laughs> Weird, yeah. So yeah. yeah, so those are you know those are three that have really stand out for me, and also Will Smith. Like Will Smith brings it. Like he brings this infectious energy that it's just so magnetic. He's so charismatic. So yeah, and you just take you know just like I was saying about insight earlier, you take a little bit from each of those people, and I think it can make you you know just that much better, just a little bit better uh, for your next interview. Seems like you've got that infectious kind of attitude and personality and, and upbeat personality. I'm just I'm just pumped about life, man. I I'm just a I'm an excitable person. And uh I know I know that energy is infectious, you know, and I think that if I can be who I am, which is a pretty upbeat, energetic, charismatic person, I would hope that that can rub off on other people too. Absolutely. So wrestling wise, who are besides The Rock, obviously, but who are some of your favorite wrestling interviews? John Cena rank up there? Yeah, definitely. John Cena's up there. I've been fortunate to become friends with Dolph Ziggler. So, you know, I've done, I think I've interviewed Dolph Ziggler more than anybody, not just any other wrestler, more than anybody ever. Because I was living in Cleveland, that's his hometown. So anytime he would come back into town, we would set up an interview, which is super nice. But there's so many. And, you know, the great thing about wrestlers is for the most part, what you see is what you get. And, you know, they're real and they're raw and they like love telling stories. So, you know, I, I've had some great conversations with, man, like to, to be able to say that I spent like an hour with Booker T or almost an hour with Mark Henry or the interview I did with the big show five years ago, you know, just seeing the height difference between me and him. Oh, yeah. Yep. And that's my most watched wrestling interview on my YouTube channel. Uh, he's just so like so kind and a gentle giant. Um, so yeah, th those are a few that like immediately stand out in my mind. Like the the interview I did with Muhammad Hassan last year, Marco Pani, that meant a lot to me. And shout out to my friend Sean Ross Sapp who connected us. He was basically like, "I'd love to see you interview him." And I did an inter interview with him years ago, and he connected us together. And man, just the the stories. That's what this is all about. Like life's all about stories, right? Like, yep. It, it's really about the stories that we hear and the stories that we tell. And I'm fortunate to be uh, the person that these stories are being told to right now. It's funny. I just had on Sean Rossap uh, two weeks ago. He he was great. Great. I'm guy. so sorry to hear that. No. <laughs> no. He's no, great. He, I love that guy. And a while back, I had on Muhammad Hassan. It's funny. It's like, wait, you're a school teacher? Like what? Like you know what I mean? It's like what? That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, wrestling was a lifetime ago for him, which is so interesting. He's very successful in what he's doing. I think he's a vice principal or principal. Yeah, I think he's something principal related at the school. I mean, yeah. very, like he's very successful in that line of work. With, you know, some of those interviews, 
are you like a fan of, of the guys you interview or maybe you become a fan afterwards? It's like, or, or are you just familiar with them? You know what I mean? Like, are you like a big Ziggler fan? Then afterwards, like, Oh, now I'm a huge fan. Is that something that happens? I think I enter every interview, no matter what their occupation is, whether they're a wrestler or an athlete or whatever, I come in with a massive amount of respect. Like you are one of the best in the world at what you do. Like, huge amount of respect for the training that's gone into this and the fact that you do this day in and day out. But with someone like Ziggler, when you get to know them on a personal level, it's hard to not see them at a live show or see them on TV and go, oh, I, I liked the guy. Then I started to like him even more as I got to know him. And now you just respect him that much more. So there's never been anybody that I've interviewed that I can think of where I haven't been a fan of them to start. But I will say that like, after having a conversation with anybody, like they endear themselves to you and you like them that much more. Ziggler is a very, very cool guy. Just yeah. uh, away from wrestling. Very cool. Very funny guy. He's great. Yeah. He's so funny. Yeah. He's, he's just, he's one of those people that's so talented at everything that he does. He happened to choose wrestling and you know, he's in my opinion, one of the very best technical wrestlers that's currently working right now. But he's so talented that he could have been the best at whatever occupation that he chose. Stand-up comedy? Yeah. Some, he I mean, did some political stuff, right? We'll probably be seeing some more stand-up comedy and producing and acting, you know, as his career in the WWE winds down. I'm not saying that he's winding down now, but whenever that happens, as he approaches 50 maybe, or 60, I don't know, the guy's still in insane shape. As far as, like, let's say interviews gone wrong or bad interviews, have you had... You don't seem like you would, but you never know with, with people. You know, some people may be, who knows, drunk or act different or they get on, they're weird. You never know what happens. Have you had bad experiences? I haven't, had any, like, I haven't had any terrible experiences. And I think it's because, and you know this, John, every time you talk to somebody, they're pretty aware that there's a camera right here. And <laughs> right. You know, in this case, there was a microphone right here. Right. I think they're pretty aware that if they do something completely off the rails, you know, it's going to be seen by everybody. So I haven't had any terrible situations. I've had some like uncomfortable answers to poorly worded questions that I will take the credit for, but I've never had a full interview where I've been like, yeah, this isn't, this isn't great. It's funny. Like I've like, I'll have like a, a somebody off air, like a little sketchy, get them on air. It's like, okay, thank God. Like, whew. all right, they're better on air. But then you get, you know, once in a while, not, not a lot, you get like some of the interviews, like, oh man, like pulling teeth, like, come on. Yeah. Come on. Cause yeah. you know, you know, you're being recorded, you know, you're on, you know, you got to give an answer. Like, yeah, I beat that guy. Yeah. I lost. Like, yeah. they get, there's gotta be a story there. I know sometimes it's my fault, but you know what I mean? Like you like you ever get that you pulling teeth? I had an interview and I won't, I won't name names here, but right. I had an interview when I was working in Cleveland and it was going to be live on the four o'clock news. So they came in and they were so low energy. They did not want to be there at all. I'm trying to make small talk and let me grab my phone here as a prop for this demonstration. They were just like, oh, cool. And I'm trying to make small talk and it's just not, not working. I'm like, oh, great. What are these? It was only a two minute segment on TV. I'm like, what are these two minutes on live TV going to look like? <laughs> so we get on the set, mic them up, and I'm like, oh my gosh, geez, this is going to be terrible. The second that red light went on, they snapped right into, oh, Chris, go good. So good to see you. Oh, so great to be here in Cleveland. 
And then a second, the second the segment ended, right back to yeah. Wow. Yeah. And they're like, worker. They're worker. Yeah. In in some ways, yes, they turned it on and they did their job, and that's exactly what they needed to do. But in another way, like, would it really kill you to be nice? Right. I, I had that almost exact experience. This one guy, I won't say who it is. And we had a third person with us too that would like kind of coordinated it. So we're sitting there and he's like, how long does it have to be? What do you guys want me to say? We're like, I know we were like all confused. And then as soon as we got on, we're like, oh, this is going to be hard. As soon as we got on bubbly personality, he's, yeah. you know, riffing and joking. And, and like, and as soon as we got off, he's like, yeah, thanks guys. And like, but I, but I yeah. will say the people who are the biggest stars in this industry are the people who are just the nicest and most down to earth all around. And you know, I've named a few of them, but like The Rock was like that. Tom Cruise was like that when I interviewed him. Oprah was certainly like, Oprah was like grabbing my arm as she was talking to me and using my name in the sentences. Like mm. uh, Hugh Jackman and Will Smith, like Keanu Reeves, they have these huge personalities and it's so obvious like, oh, this is why you're a star. This is why you're a star because you treat everybody with this great amount of respect. Say that's cool. That's like, you know, how to be a star like in front of camera and away from the camera like that kind of thing like, like those guys yeah and i didn't list it earlier but tom cruise was definitely at the top of my list of oh nice one of my favorite interviews as well like i i just think that you know his personal life aside because every time i list tom cruise as my favorite actor like yeah well you know like he believes in this or that i'm like yeah but as a as an actor as a movie star he's incredible yeah. Oh my God. How many good movies has he been in? Yeah. Geez. Top Gun, Mission we could, Impossible. We could yeah. Spend the, you know, the next hour talking about all his great movies. How tall is he, by the way? I'm unsure because <laughs> he's short, right? Like shorter than you would think. Like just judging by the the camera. Yeah. I mean, I think if you Google it, it'll say like five seven. But I'm five ten, and when I met him on that red carpet, I'm not saying that he was wearing anything in his shoes but i'm saying we were pretty close to eye to eye oh wow okay so yeah i'll do some lifts i saw so me with dress shoes on that, i'd be yeah. you know close to six feet tall and we were you know eye to eye for that conversation interesting okay yeah because who you never know like how big guys are certainly arnold schwarzenegger or somebody you know the guy's huge but like sure. tom cruise robert de niro you're like i wonder how big they are yeah, I've, I've interviewed De Niro. He's oh, you have okay. I yeah, he, you've interviewed everybody. Jesus, I mean, I've been very fortunate. Yeah, De Niro's I don't know, like five nine maybe. Yeah, he's like a, a nice sweet grandpa. He was nice. Then he was good. He he seemed he was great. He maybe it's his uh you know good fellows like could seem ornery or casino. He could seem ornery. He was he was like very he's much more soft spoken than you would expect. Hmm. Uh, I interviewed him with Anne Hathaway for that movie, The Intern. Oh, yeah. And she has a huge, you know, massive personality. And he was just very much just subdued. Just like, oh, yeah. Nice to meet you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Anybody like surprise you like that? Any other, like, we're like, wow, I didn't expect that. I thought they were going to be nuts. Like, I thought, you know, they were going to be crazy. Uh, I don't know about like nuts or crazy, but like, I remember interviewing Liam Neeson for the first time. And he was so soft spoken that you almost had to lean in a little bit to be like, I, I, I think my first, you know, my first interview with him was for the movie, the gray and which I love that movie, by mm -hmm. the way. Yep. And he was just so soft spoken. He was like, oh, this was, it was very cold when we were filming and there was a lot of times when you had to focus on uh, what you were doing <laughs> on the set. I'm like, 
pardon me? <laughs> so that one caught me a little off guard in two ways. One, super soft-spoken. But when you walk in the room, he's a big dude. He's, I don't know, 6'2"-ish, but like a, he's a solid 6'2". And he shakes your hand and he has a giant hand that like engulfs your hand. And you're like, oh, this man could actually kill me. That's not just, you know, the characters he plays in the films. With him, though, it's so funny because you're thinking like, taken. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to kill you. I want to get, you know what I mean? It's like, you, specific set of skills. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's like, you <laughs> don't expect that. Yeah, that's interesting. I like that, though, because he, he's very calm and collected, but he could snap at any moment. And again, a giant man. <laughs> yeah, he seems like it, right? I, and I'll give you one more that is surprisingly large is Tyler Perry. And hmm. I've become pretty good friends with Tyler Perry because I've interviewed him so many times. The first time you meet Tyler Perry, you're not expecting him to be six foot six, but that's how tall Tyler Perry is. Wow, I did not know that. Right. So now think of how big Medea is when he puts the wig and the dress on. <laughs> She's a monster. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that would that one definitely caught me off guard. Like I was like, oh my gosh, like you're huge. You're bigger than I thought you were. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. I never and I said that, that to him. Like, you're big. He's like, I'm a big guy. <laughs> I, I never knew that. I would expect maybe six foot or something. Wow. Never yeah, noticed. Big. Yeah. Now you know. Damn, damn. Damn. Look at that. Well, as we hit the wind down, head towards the finish. I know you're a big rock fan. Who's your favorite wrestler of all time? Is it the rock or is there anybody even close? Of all time. I think of all time, it's got to be the rock, but I think I could break it up in like different categories here. Like my favorite TNA wrestler is AJ Styles. Like, I was a huge AJ Styles fan, 06, 07, 08, 09. So, yeah, Rock of all time, Rock in the ring as a wrestler, AJ Styles. But I was also a huge Triple H fan, probably. So best entrance music, Triple H. <laughs> I mean, my whole backyard wrestling character was like modeled after Triple H. Like I taped my hand and my wrist on my right arm and then just my wrist on my left hand. So yeah, there's there's three for you. Have you ever had Triple H on? No, I've never met him. Never met Triple H. I would love to. I would love to have him on. I don't know if that's a possibility, but let's throw it out into the world. Who's on the old bucket list? Besides, I know Vince and Triple H, obviously, but who else is on the old bucket list? Stone Cold Steve Austin is definitely on there. I've had I interviewed him once for one of his films like ten years ago. It was a short, like five minute interview, and it was via satellite. So I've never met Stone Cold. So Stone Cold's on that list. A longer interview with Oprah. I'd love to sit down and pick Joe Rogan's brain. Oh, like, yeah. What, what Joe Rogan has built all on his own is so impressive. You know, he does it with a team of like him and like a video guy and an audio guy and someone that books the guests. Like it's so impressive what he's built and he stayed true to himself. So yeah, there, look, there's a lot of people I'd love to share a conversation with. Like, how cool would it, be, would it be to hang out with Elon Musk for an hour? Yes. So, yeah, a lot of people on that list. And like I said, I'll just keep throwing it out into the world. And maybe one day it'll happen. Who do you got coming up? Anybody? Uh, I know we were talking about, like, getting Rock and Cena, but who have you had interviews with that's kind of sitting in the can that's about to come out? So I just did an interview yesterday with Ted DiBiase Jr., and he hasn't oh. done a lot of interviews really at all no so that's what i'm really excited to put out there 
I'm, I am interviewing Cena later this week. So that's something you'll be seeing soon. Um, I had Santina Morella's daughter. I did an interview with her, nice. Sophia Corelli, and she's going to be a force to be reckoned with. And I remember when I interviewed Santina Morella like two years ago, he was talking about how great his daughter was and how we all have to watch out for her. And now she's trained. Now she's working matches. So that's going to be a really interesting one. Let me see. I got, got a list here. Uh, Colt Cabana is coming up soon. Nice. And... Let's see who else. I guess that's it. Those are the ones in the can. Then I've got a bunch that are like that we're booking in the next few weeks. Do you do all the booking yourself? Yeah, yeah. This is it. You know, I, I do one man band too. So you're a one man band, pretty much. I mean, I have I have someone who uh, edits the audio of my podcasts, and I have someone who makes the thumbnails. And my podcast network's been so helpful. Blue Wire is such a great group of people. They've been really good about like going, oh, do you need a graphic you know, designer? We can help you make you know, graphics. Do you need someone to edit these little clips for your uh, social media? We can take care of that too. What about you, John? Who's coming up on your list? Hopefully someone you know, much more impressive than Chris Van Vliet. Todd Pattengill, who's a good Great. one. TJ Wilson, who I ah, believe- I love that guy. Tell him I say hi. Yes, nice, very nice guy. Who else? Who else? Hoping uh, to land somebody who I can't say because there's somebody else involved, but hopefully one of the guys that just got released were had conversations with him. Somebody else is involved. Now there might be some play. I, I don't want to okay. jinx it or, or say his name, but he's in play and he said yes, but this other person. Well, I will is, say good luck then. This, yes. This other person is a decision maker. So you okay. never know what, what, what happens when there's a third sure. party involved. Yeah, yeah. But that, that should be fun if, if it happens. Uh, yeah. Well, I hope else. it does. And just head on Billy Corgan, which who was awesome. Oh, uh, he's great. Smashing he's, pumpkin. Yeah. He uh he's man, you want to talk about someone who's just talented at everything they do. There's a great example. He is a music wizard. He is the man. But as far as you, the YouTube channel, I mean, what what's it at now? Because I know you obviously got the plaque on the wall, you're you're dominating. How's everything going with the YouTube? I'm at I think two hundred and eighty nine thousand subscribers. Wow. Damn. Which has been great. Like, you know, I, the goal was, I always say vague goals get vague results. The very specific goal was to get to a hundred thousand and get the plaque. And I just started a new YouTube channel called CVV clips. It's where I'm putting some of the clips from my longer interviews. So, you know, you want to see the hour long interview, you go to the main channel, you want to see the two and three and five minute clips. That's on my clips channel. So hopefully I can grow that one to be as big as the main channel as well. Nice. Love it. And as far as kind of where do you see yourself in a few years? What do you want to be doing? Like, what are some goals and, and some things, you know, maybe like you always say, like putting out into the universe, but what, what is some stuff that you want to accomplish in, in the next few years? Well, I want to host a national show. Like that's the whole reason I moved to Los Angeles. I moved here about a year ago. And the goal is to host a national show so that you can turn on the TV and whether it's Netflix or Discovery or History or ABC or Fox or whatever, I want to be able to be on one of those shows. So that is definitely the goal. Wrestling's always going to be something that's part of my life. I'm, I'm, I've always been a wrestling fan. I always will be a wrestling fan. But I don't know if everybody realizes that that's just one of the many things that I'm working on. It just happens oh, noticed, to right yeah. now be, you know, the loudest thing that I'm working on right now. But, you know, I've worked in television and radio my entire career and I've just had the 
very you know fortunate opportunity to be able to cross paths with wrestlers and it's turned into you know what i have now with my youtube channel so i think you know just for me the goal has always been and will always be to be excited for what you're going to do at the start of the day and then to be proud of what you've accomplished you know when you lay your head down to sleep at night that's it that's the goal every single day that is a great credo to live by that is awesome yeah, that's it. And I just, I want more, you know, I want more out of every situation, out of every relationship, personal relationships, professional relationships, I just want more. That's it. You know, and Tyler Perry told me, and it rings in my head all the time, dream bigger. And I think about that all the time, you know, don't limit yourself, dream bigger. Awesome. Love it. That's a, a great way to end it. I think that's perfect. But before we let you go, give us all the plugs. I know you mentioned the YouTube, but where can everybody find you? Social media, everything else. Well, wherever you're listening to this, you can find my podcast, Insight with Chris Van Vliet. And on social media, I'm at Chris Van Vliet, V-A-N-V-L-I-E-T. Awesome. Chris, thank you so much for all the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. John, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate you. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash TMPT Empire to become a patron. And also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two Man Power Trip, where the power lies brother.